we, this is 20 British people that do not know each other, that have Bruce in common, all of whom are trying to be relatively cool and polite, right? The British bend anyone. You certainly don't want to kind of get people out of their comfort zone and be the excited guy, right? So we fly, we're all sitting on this kind of British Airways plane. Everyone's kind of relatively cool. We're picked up. It's quite late at night. I think we land on, we land at JFK at, I want to say nine o'clock at night. And there's a bus waiting for us and we're going to stay down in Asbury Park, right? A big hotel in Asbury Park. So we'll get on the bus and everyone's still being relatively formal and relatively polite. Come off the New Jersey Turnpike and come down into one of the main roads that takes you down towards Ashbury Park. And someone shouts, look, 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 look on the left, look on the left, right? Stop the bus, you've got to stop the bus. <laughs> so the bus driver pulls in at the side and it's Bob's Big Boy Fried Chicken from Open All Night. Uh, I'm sitting on the sitting on my lap, wiping her fingers on a Texaco roadmap, right? Bob's Big Boy Fried Chicken on the front seat. And then all hell breaks loose. Stories are coming out. Like that was the moment that needed to happen for these 20 strange, weird English people that were in America to see Bruce Springsteen at no notice whatsoever. One of whom had just spent his entire year student loan on this. As I mentioned yesterday, Mark Dempsey and I's discussion was so much fun. We ended up talking over three hours. I've got it down to about two hours, uh, so I split this into two parts. So here's the second half of me talking to Mark. Let me cover a couple of things really Please. quickly. So I know you talked about top shows. So. Um, and and you and I had kind of tweeted a couple of times recently about favorite albums. So my my second favorite album is Tunnel of Love. Okay. It's it's just crafted. The storytelling, the characters, the 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 musicianship, I think, is wonderful. Yeah. But my favorite album um, is The Ghost of Tom Joad. Okay. That that is if you kind of passed a law that said you can only keep one album for the rest of your life, I would select The Ghost of Tom Joad. Okay. I, I think that's an astonishing, astonishing album. Um, the When I went to Broadway, so November 2nd, 2018, uh, I did not know the set list. I had done everything I possibly could to avoid anything about okay. the set. Got I, it. I, had, I had seen from like a year earlier, or 10 months earlier, the core set list from night one. But I, and I actually tried to put everything out of my mind. Um, three quarters of the way through, Bruce started talking about some of the civil unrest and some of the kind of dark spirits and uh -huh. worst parts of our characters that were happening and how the US was getting itself into some trouble. And I turned to my wife and I said, oh my God, he's going to do the Ghost of Tom Joe. Wow. Um, which, which he then, a couple of minutes later, did. I was, he, he, makes, he makes me cry lots, Bruce. Yeah, uh, and yeah. so I spent most of the Ghost of Tom Joad in Broadway uh, in tears. 
the, the song to me is one of the most powerful pieces of writing. The, the whole album is so powerful. Um, and it goes back to my kind of love of the Americana. And I think the ghost of Tom Joad, he, he presents Americana in such an incredibly different way. Right? Um, I, I adore it. Uh, and which, which brings me on to kind of top five shows. So probably Houston 2008 makes the top five. Um, we, we went out in 2003 on the rising tour to the final couple of nights of the of the 10 night stand at, at East Rutherford giant stadium. Yeah. Um, so we saw nights nine and 10 in 2003 and night nine was like just on fire. Absolutely incredible. First time I'd ever seen raise your hand. First time I'd ever seen Rosalita, the set, the set list was just wild. So, so the, those nights nine and 10 were both incredible to me, but night nine stood out. Um, and then probably a couple of surprising ones uh, in kind of third position and second position. Um, so I thought the, the rerun of the River Tour 2016, um, there were some very strong shows on that. Uh, we were living Absolutely. in, yeah, we were living in Toronto at the time. Um, so, that, so the first show that I saw on that rising tour, uh, on the River Tour w- was Toronto, which was very strong. Um, then we kind of saw some Northeast shows, Buffalo, Rochester, um, but I thought the very best show of that 2016 tour uh, was Chicago the second time around. So we saw the August Chicago show. It, it went as close to four hours as you might as well say it was a four hour show. Right. The, it opened with New York City Serenade. The, the, the power and the promise of the E Street Band were on full show and the, the crowd was just going nuts from, from, from minute one till the end. L- love, love that show. And then in second place um, was Vienna, uh, Vienna, Austria, 2009. So the Working on a Dream tour. Um, and what's really interesting about that, that I just wanted to touch on, um, I've kind of learned to be a bit more critical of Bruce than I used to be and, and acknowledge that not everything he does is, you know, gold-plated. Sure. I, I'm not a big fan of the Working on a Dream album. I, I think it's probably his worst album of his entire catalogue. I, 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 I just didn't like the feel of it, the sound of it. I wasn't particularly bothered with the songwriting. Yeah. So it's kind of a bit surprising that probably in at number two on my list it, of all time great concerts is Vienna 2009 from the Working on a Dream Tour. The, just magic happened that night. Vienna's not a city that you would choose to say was probably a big Bruce city. Austria isn't known for, you know, a fan base that, you know, goes nuts. Yeah, the, the yeah. show the show was outrageous. It was just outrageous. Um, it had the first it had the first ever Jersey Girl played outside of the U.S. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, in response to a woman who had Jersey Girl on a T-shirt in the pit, she was kind of sitting up on someone's shoulders and had Jersey Girl on a T-shirt. Uh, and Bruce rather cheekily was like, "Well, give me the T-shirt and I'll play it." And good for her. She took the T-shirt off and spent the rest of rest of the show in a like a bikini top so he kind of had the jersey girl t-shirt uh, and played jersey girl um that show was just outrageous uh, um proud mary they played as a request rendezvous played as a sign request growing up sandy just like just strong 70s song after strong 70s song great audience great night um but then my favorite show of all time and this, this is the story that I, I did want to get onto because it's, it's just so important to me, um, was the Tower Theatre, Philadelphia. 
Okay. Nin- 1995 on the Ghost of Tom Joe tour. Um, and that's my favorite show of all time. So, someone in a, actually in a pit queue 10 years ago, someone said to me, hey, if, if you had a time machine, you could go back to one show, which show would you go back to? And without even batting an eyelid, I said, Philadelphia 95 Ghost of Tom Joe, which kind of floored everyone because most people would pick, you know. Sure. An E Street Band show. Um, and, and here's why that show is so important to me. Not The, the album is incredible. Um, but I was, I was at university at the time. Um, so this was my second year at university. I think the Ghost of Tom Joe album came out over the summer. Uh, and I was just kind of starting the second year of university. So kind of, kind of this kind of time, early October 95. Um, and I was a member of the British-based fan club. They're still going. I, I, I would love to think that someone from this fantastic group of people is listening to this at some point in the future. So uh, a, a fan club called Badlands. Set, set up in the 80s by two brothers, Phil and Steve, did an amazing job. And they were very progressive. They actually were really one of the first companies, if you like, that arranged for foreign travel to go see, to go and see Bruce abroad. Right? I, I was a member and I, and I loved the Ghost of Tom Jode album already. And there was, there was press at the time when the album was released. There was going to be no tour. This was not something that Bruce Springsteen was going to tour. It was one of those right. kind of... Um, you know, surefire media releases that, you know, this is just an album. It's kind of a concept. Don't expect shows uh-huh. and certainly don't expect the E Street Band. And right. so I had kind of thought, well, I'm not going to see him. Uh, and the important piece of context here, um, back to the point that, you know, we were not a wealthy family. Right. right. So I took two years out between leaving school and going to university to, to pay for myself to go to university. I was determined I was not going to take out student loans. I was determined I was not going to get into debt. I was going to take responsibility, do something for myself. So I worked for two years in some restaurants and some banks, just earning money, got myself to university in 94. Didn't take out student loans. All good. Comes to 1995. and I'm, I'm sitting in my kind of university residence in October 95. I get a letter through the post because there's no email or internet, right? Yeah. Letter through the post from Badlands. Uh, Bruce Springsteen is going to play 10 shows to support the Ghost of Tom Joad. And we have got, I want to say, 20 tickets. Right? Probably best not to ask how they got them. That was kind of the rule back in those days. Sure. We have got 20 tickets to see Bruce Springsteen at the Tower Theatre in Philadelphia on December the 8th, 1995. The first 10 or 20 people to call us can have one of the tickets, right? Now, there was quite some cost involved. Sure. Now, here's one of the most important points in my life, and certainly in my relationship with Bruce Springsteen, that you suddenly realize that Bruce comes first, right? He just comes first. I literally, before I had finished reading that letter, picked up the phone to Badlands and said, "Uh, hey, guys, it's Mark Dempsey. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, great. Um, could we have the money in like the next 10 days? Because there was no automatic bank transfer and that sure. kind of thing. You didn't just go onto an app and send them the money. I was like, sure. Here's, here, just to, like how extreme this was. I hadn't yet got to the point in the letter that said how much this was going to cost. Right. And I was already telling them I was in. Yeah. So 
it's I, I can't remember. I think it was like fourteen hundred, one thousand four hundred pounds. It was because it was relatively late flights, right? It was December, so it was like Christmas. Yeah, money, right? There was a hotel involved. We were going to stay in Asbury Park for five nights, so they were making it into this whole Springsteen trip. Yes, I'm in. Great, says one of them, right, Steve or Phil? Yeah. Uh, could we have one thousand four hundred pounds in the next ten days? I was like, not a problem. Put the phone down, walk down the street to the uh, to the like the finance office of the university where I was at, and I walked. I was like, uh, "Hello, could I have a student loan, please?" And they were like, "Sure. What would you like your student loan for?" I was like, "Well, I'm having some trouble paying my rent and books, and I yeah. need right because like legally you're allowed a student loan, right? Full stop. Exactly. You're allowed, a, sure. you're allowed a student loan. I didn't feel it was sensible to say I'm going to fly to America in a month's time. Um, yeah, I, I'm having some trouble paying my rent." I'm, I'm a little bit behind in, you know, buying food, getting a bit worried. Yeah. What would you like? I was like, well, how much is available this year? Mm-hmm. And it was within like 50 quid over the third. I was like, yeah. yes, please. I, I think I, it would be sensible if I took the full student loan. Two years I worked to put myself through university and blew that entire psychological decision at one month's notice to fly to New Jersey to go and watch Bruce Springsteen. So, I was all good. So, jump forward to December. We fly. The twenty of us fly from Heathrow to JFK. Landed JFK. This is my first time in the US. So, remember how important like Americana was. Sure. Landed in JFK. And this is before the day where this was relatively commonplace, right? So now today, you or I might fly to a foreign country. Yeah. Right. And then you just, you you just chat shit with people right you just right. shoot the breeze right we this is 20 british people that do not know each other that have bruce in common all of whom are trying to be relatively cool and polite right the british right. don't want to offend anyone you certainly don't want to kind of get people out of their comfort zone and be the excited guy right so we fly we're all sitting on this kind of british airways plane everyone's kind of relatively cool right we're picked up it's quite late at night i think we land on we land at jfk at I want to say nine o'clock at night. Okay. Right. And there's a bus waiting for us and we're going to stay down in Asbury Park, right? A big hotel in Asbury Park. So we'll get on the bus and everyone's still being relatively formal and relatively polite. Yeah. Come off the New Jersey turnpike and come down into one of the main roads that takes you down towards Asbury Park. And someone shouts, look, 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 look on the left, look on the left, right? Stop the bus. You've got to stop the bus. So the bus driver pulls in at the side. And it's Bob's Big Boy Fried Chicken from uh, Open All Night. Yeah. Right? Uh, I'm sitting on the sitting on my lap. Right. She's wiping right. her fingers on a Texaco road map, right? Yeah. Bob's Big Boy Fried Chicken on the front seat. And then all hell breaks loose. Stories are coming out. Like, that was the moment that needed to happen. That broke it. Like, right? oh, for these 20 strange, weird English people that were in America to see Bruce Springsteen at no notice whatsoever, one of whom had just spent his entire year student loan on this, uh, others who were literally skiving off work, hoping they weren't going to get fired, right? Yeah. And then all the stories come out. So we check into the, the Barclay Carter Hotel in Asbury Park, December the 6th, 1995, and then the next two days, bless them, the guys at Badlands had put on a trip 
like we went to the Stone Pony to see a band. We did a walk on the on the boardwalk, saw Madame Marie, like all the things that you would do. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. So then anyway, the, the second or the third night, bus comes, takes us down to Philadelphia. And as we're, I don't know if you've been to the Tower Theatre or you know the reference, but this is a tiny old, old style, like 1900s radio theatre. Okay. It's, uh, I don't know if it even holds as many people as the Broadway theatre held, okay. right? I, I think it held a thousand people. Someone out there is going to know it maybe held 1,500, right? Take into account my only point of reference so far is two shows at Wembley Arena, 15,000 people, and a show right. in a field with 60,000 people. So we pull up outside the venue, and the guy from Badlands is the tickets, and he's like, guys, like, there's like a thousand people in this venue. This is going to be incredible. Here's your tickets. By the way, the tickets are, you know, we got like a clump of tickets at the back. Don't any of you expect to be in the front row, right? These are, these are probably the worst tickets. We called in some favours from someone we know who's on the crew. Right. But we're in. Yeah. So we get off the bus. All I want to do is go and sit in my seat and think about what I'm about to see. Right. That's all I want to do. I grab a tour T-shirt that I still have to this day. and I go and sit in my seat. Don't ask me why. Everyone else goes to the bar. So I go and take my seat. And I am literally, not to sound ungrateful, in the worst seat in the venue. Right. Top tier, back right, not behind a pillar to the fact where I can't see the stage, but literally up against the, a, a pillar, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm sitting there watching Kevin Buell start to bring out the guitars, tinkering with 12-string guitars, tuning them up. I am in my element. There's me and kind of three or four other people milling around. And you'll guess where this story is going quite quickly. Uh, this guy comes up to me, comes up the steps of the, of the top tier, says, uh, oh, you got a bit of a shitty seat there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Don't worry. I've come 8,000 miles and I'm complete. You know, this is going to be an amazing show. I love the album. And he's like, oh, you've come 8,000 miles. I'm like, yeah, I'm from the, I'm from the, <laughs> I'm from England. Yeah. Uh, Wow, he said, uh, what, what, what are you doing over here? And I'm like, well, I've spent a couple of days in Asbury Park, touring around and wanted to come and see the show. I said, you know, there's no European tour. And at that point, there still was no plan for right. like a European tour, right? This was the 10 shows of the tour. And I said, uh, I couldn't miss this. Um, I still don't know what he's about to do. And so he pulls out his like backstage lanyard. Says, oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm with the crew. He said, you've got a bit of a shitty seat there. He said, but you said you were here with some other people. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, I didn't say that. I, I'm here by myself. And he's like, oh, good, good. Because I've got a ticket for you. He's like, you're not, you haven't got friends here or anything. I'm like, no, 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 I'm here by myself. Yeah. He's like, that's great. Uh, we've had like a cancellation from like a VIP down the front. So I'm going to give you a ticket down the front. And I'm like, what at the front of this balcony section? He's like, no, 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 the front row. I'm like, that sounds good to me. Yeah. He's like, there's a load of people outside that would die for your seat. So we're going to give them, we're going to give someone lucky your seat. Would you mind going down to the front row? It's like, Jesus. Yes, I will. I mean, I was literally 
front centre. Uh, and all thought of, have I done the right thing blowing my student loan on this trip? Suddenly it's yeah, completely... Yeah, limited. exactly. Now, now that, that, that is entirely secondary to the fact that this show blew my mind. This was the most... This was the greatest concert I have ever seen. I, I, I probably still put it ahead of Broadway. Uh, wow. The, the, and it's the talking... Jesse, that he talked before, I think, every song bar two, right? Yeah. And to hear Bruce talk about the inspirations, the, the, how he made the album, he'd read a couple of books, and he talked about the books he'd read, he talked about some of the people he'd met. There was a, a, a mix of lighthearted and unbelievably serious, and, and in a way that I still think only Bruce can really pull off in a show. Yeah. You know, I've seen other great shows. You've seen other great shows. You were at Just Kiss. You were at Kiss yeah. last night, right? I yeah. There are other people. I've seen Garth Brooks a few times. Garth Brooks is incredible. Right? That's right. He doesn't tell stories and take you on this roller coaster of emotion, right? He just plays amazingly great country music, amazingly well, yes. and has yes. a blast and takes you on this journey of fun, right? It Garth Brooks is incredible. I love the Hold Steady. I go and see the Hold Steady an awful lot, right? The Hold Steady produce great concerts no one takes you on this roller coaster the way bruce does and and that show that philadelphia goes to tom jocho was a roller coaster there was there was there was talk of death sadness there was moments of absolute hilarity when he was he was talking about um the effects of drug use before does this bus stop at 82nd street right he talked about politics um there was something going on with um I mean, I knew nothing of this reference point, but there was something going on with Newt Gingrich at the time, like late 95. I think he was maybe speaker at the time. Yeah. I may have that wrong. You may want to cut that or check that. But Bruce talked about Newt Gingrich, right? About this weird thing that was going on at the time and how he wanted his politics to become clearer and clearer. Mm -hmm. It was incredibly important to hear him now starting to talk about the political element and the political environment just an incredible show incredible incredible show uh, i got the set list from the stage shook his hand at the end um and i that show is the show i go back to. that if you gave me the time machine I, i'm going to that show and i still don't regret blowing 1400 pounds of my student loan that took me about seven years to pay off so my second show ever was the devil's and dust show Oh, wow. Was it really? Yeah, yes. I, I had gone. My first show was a rising show. And I told the story often on the podcast that I, I felt like I'd gone into a movie halfway through the plot. And so because okay. I had never I had ne- yeah. never seen Bruce, and but I knew I loved what I heard. So he's coming, Devils and Dust. I go to Linda, who's my wife, and I go, I, I really want to go see him again. Do you care? No, I don't care. I have no interest in going. Okay. So I had listened to Devils and Dust nonstop, just yeah. on repeat. So I get into the venue. It's, uh, they called it the Verizon Center back then. Um, they've now changed it, but um, small, intimate theater. And I'm, there's a lower level and a balcony. I'm at the lower level. I am at the very last row and um, to my right is the aisle to yeah. my left is a pillar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
I yeah, have yeah. that seat. I have there is yeah, yeah. no one next to me. And so I'm there, and this guy comes up to me and says, uh, do you want a better seat? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. Because I'm thinking that it's a scalper. And so as he's walking off, I go, wait a minute. I'm in the building. Yeah. This isn't a scalper. So I stand up and I walk up and I go, excuse me, um, do you still have seats? He goes, oh, yeah, sure. He says, here, just go on back. Go go down there. So um, I was not first row, but I was row four or five. Fantastic. And you will get this reference. Um, in fact, you were one of the few people do. My seats were better than Babe Laufenberg's, <laughs> but <laughs> not as good as Moose Johnston's, as Daryl Johnston's. <laughs> I, and, and so, and in fact, they, they, they said Moose, Moose when Daryl was coming in. Did they really? Uh, yes, they did. And, and I know people who weren't sports fans were like, why are they saying no, it's Bruce, not Moose, yeah, 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 but it yeah, was, yeah, 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 it was Daryl Johnson. Um, so th- exactly the same. And that's why I, and that's right. The point is not to overtell your story, but just to share. It, it was amazing. I was like, I could not believe how lucky I was so, that I got fantastic. this. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. It just great. Um, we've been going almost two hours. So okay. uh, I, I, uh, what, before we get to the Mary question, is there anything else that I need to ask you, or do we just book you on a second show down the road? Well, okay, I, I don't. I we we don't need to do a second show. Although this this has been just a, a blast, Jesse. It's it's just a a pleasure. Well, what we need to do is, um, depending on how well our Cowboys do or how poorly, we sure. should have a wrap up of the season. So, I that we we should. So there's there's one thing I I absolutely want to just talk about really briefly and sure. the very question and I know there's a kind of a chance for a wrap up and I just want to yeah. say one very specific thing. So look, let okay. let me briefly say this. Okay. So my wife and I moved to Canada in December 2011. Okay. We knew no one. Um, Bruce quickly tours. Right. There's a tour in 2012. We went to some shows. Uh, he came to Toronto. Played at the big baseball stadium in Toronto. When I say we were numbers one and two into the pit, we, I'm not exaggerating anywhere, okay. we won the lottery. And that was our kind of, maybe we were meant to move here moment, not yeah. to kind of overblow it, but like we were one and two in the pit yeah. in a show in a country that we had only lived in for six months at that time. That's, right? that's awesome. And there was then uh, about a year later, someone who has become, he will be a lifelong, very best friend of mine. Okay. He was, he was the, the, the manager at the Hard Rock Cafe in okay. Toronto. And he put a note on Backstreets. I'm sure you're familiar with like the Backstreets fan sure. page yeah. that said, uh, I want to set up an open mic night at the Hard Rock Cafe in Toronto. Okay. For Bruce Springsteen fans. And the Hard Rock Cafe in Toronto is this, is in this unbelievable old venue. So the restaurant is in the downstairs. Then they own like a, like a, they had like a sound stage up on the top, on the top floor. Okay. You could access from the Hard Rock Cafe. They would use it for like overspills or parties. And they had a full sound stage there. And if you look up, but people can look this up like offline after this. Um, but it's where Bob Dylan met some members of the band. 
Oh, wow. Joni Mitchell was signed to her first radio, uh, to her first contract there. There's myriad stories of rock and roll history that happened in this building. Okay. And there was this sound stage up there. And this note comes on Backstreet's about, we should use this. Why don't we set a date and people just come along and bring their guitar and we'll just have a go. And it might suck and that's fine. And it, we might have a blast and that's great. So my, my wife and I had this rule when we moved to Canada. We're just going to say yes to stuff, right? Why not? Nothing illegal, right? Sure, yeah. We're just going to say yes to stuff. That's the only way we're going to get stuff out of this. So I, 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 I replied to James, that I now know, in, and said, yeah, I'm in. All right, I'll see you. It was kind of early 2014, I think it was set for. Uh, I'll bring my guitar and be ready to play a couple of songs. We'll see you there. I got in from work that night, walk in, said to my wife, um, oh, we're going to a Bruce Springsteen uh, event at the Hard Rock Cafe next month. And she's like, fantastic, that's great. I said, yeah, it's like an open mic. She's like, that's wonderful, we'll, we'll go along to that. I was like, and I'm playing. <laughs> and she said, uh, well, then we'd better get rehearsing. Now, I can play the guitar. I can't. I didn't know if I could sing or not. Right. I've, since the age of 11 or 12, I've had guitars and I've known how to play Bruce Springsteen songs. I've got chord books and things. Um, you know, and I, I got pretty good on the guitar. Um, so we went through a litany of songs that I thought might be good for me to play. And, and the, the, the note said, everyone come ready with like two or three songs. See what we can do. Let's see how much time we got. So we... I played song after song and my life was like, no, no, no. Try that one in a different key. Yeah. No. Right. And we settled on three. We settled on devils and dust, um, fire uh, and, and the fire, like the version from the bridge school benefit 86. Yeah. I referenced with Nils is kind of tapping on the fingerboard and, right. uh, and Sherry darling, like a fun, so a serious song and a couple of lights on. Sure. And I practice them and practice them and practice them. And practice. So jump forward a month. We turn up, at the Hard Rock Cafe, walk in, hey, we're here for the open mic, go upstairs, and there's 15 people. And, and I think seven or eight are going to play some songs, and they've all bought their wife or their partner. Yeah. And there's, there's James, uh, who has set this whole thing up. Um, and I, I, didn't, I don't want to come on here and give shout-outs to all the people I've met at Bruce Springsteen concerts, but he and I will remain lifelong friends. Sure. Um, yeah. I cannot tell you how grateful I am to him for this, because... I met people that day and then continued to meet people at that venue that inspired me. We got to talk about music that we, we kind of long story short, that turned into another couple of open mic nights where people turned up and kind of had some more songs to play. Then it went from being about, well, okay, we've done a few Bruce Springsteen nights. Let's do a, I think Bob Dylan was next. And then we did okay. a Tom Petty night. And then from there, suddenly you're meeting all of these new people. We met Canadians that we would never have met without this Bruce Springsteen event. We met people that are now lifelong friends to us that we would never have met without this Bruce Springsteen event. That's awesome. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, it speaks to, I mean, the, the kindness and the welcomeness of Canadians is kind yes. of a little bit of a cliche and a given. It's true, right? Yeah. We've never been made more welcome anywhere. But the kindness and the welcomeness of 
Springsteen fans to let's try and do this because we all love his music. It, it was the, the coming together of several absolutely critical things for us. We, we ended up becoming like we became like kind of seven or eight of us became like like a house band at the Hard Rock Cafe. Oh, how funny. Oh, my God. I can't even. It's it. It's probably the greatest thing I've ever been involved in. And it and it morphed into again. This, this is all James's idea. Yeah. We actually started and we did it, I think, three years in a row. For St. Patrick's Day. We put together a Seeger Sessions cover band. Oh, how fun. Uh, and played on St. Patrick's Day at the Hard Rock Cafe and a couple of other like local venues. Um, and did and learned the entire Seeger Sessions album start to finish. We put out a note on like Craigslist and that kind of stuff for um, a banjo player, for a trumpet player for a steel guitar player and found them and taught them how to play the songs. Right. So there was like seven or eight of us who were Springsteen fans, James and I, and another couple of just really great musicians. Some of who were actually semi-professional or professional musicians as their day jobs kind of split the singing and the the guitar playing between us. And then we went and found a drummer, uh, a, a trumpet player, we never found a tuba player. That was the one missing. Beat. We never got, we never got the tuba, and we tried for three years. Right. And right. we and we played this. I think we did it six or seven times after we'd come. After my wife and I moved back to the UK, they carried on doing it, kept it going. We literally were a Seeger Sessions cover band, and I, until the day I die, Jesse, if I live to be a hundred, I'll never have more fun. Oh, I, I can imagine. That's just I, so. I, that's greatness. I, I I got to be Bruce. God, I, that's I, very I, nice. I, I sang on Jesse James. I sang on Erie Canal. I sang on Pay Me My Money Down and American Land. I, I got to be Bruce ten times. Do you have any recordings of it? I, I maybe probably it might be on YouTube. I don't know. That's a great okay. question. I'd never I. I'd never thought we've got my wife's filmed some stuff. Right? Okay. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was properly recorded. Okay. That coming together of, of everything of, I need to experience something new. I, I would like to play live music. I need to go and live in a foreign country. Bruce pulled that all together. That's awesome. That's, that's great. Uh, yeah. If you could find a link or have your wife send me, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, all right. That is such a great story. I, I love that you shared that. And I love the, that community, right. That, that that's how the word. it brought it that's in. Word, yeah, yeah. That's just awesome. All right. That's so true. if you're a friend of Mark's uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. This is probably your first one you listen to us. Um, I end every show with the Mary question. So give you a little background. Jay Armstrong is a recently retired English teacher. He, but when he was teaching in the Philadelphia area, he would spend two days of his honors English class, the senior class, breaking down Thunder Road. They would go through all the lyrics. They would talk about the imagery that Bruce uses. They would talk about the themes of the song. They treat this as a poem. They compare it to Robert Frost. Um, and at the end of the two days, 
he asks his class, does Mary get in the car at the end of the song? So Mark, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car? So the, my very first answer to this when I thought about it was who wouldn't? Right. Who would not get in that car? And then I realized that the characters Bruce writes about are generally very conflicted, confused, ambiguous, complex characters that would find reasons to say no. Right. And I don't want to be guilty of overthinking this. No, that you cannot be guilty of that. That is the whole purpose of the question. And I think I'm going to say no. Okay. Because not everyone chooses to escape. Yes. And not everyone chooses to go. And not everyone chooses to be brave. I'd love to think she does. And I don't think she did. Okay. Very nice. That's good. It's a great question. It's a yeah. really, really great question. Yeah. Um, you know, you had shared with me before we started recording, you had not listened to any episodes um, because you didn't want to have any, you know, sway. Uh, yeah. About 60-40. 60% say yes, about 40% say no. Okay. So okay. you are not uh, necessarily in that big of a minority. Um, that's good. Um, okay. Mark, this has been amazing. I, I appreciate your time. And uh, you can tell your lovely bride that um, I wanted to hear all the stories. Um, <laughs> if someone wants to reach you, how can they? What's the best way to get you? Uh, well, I guess in this, this world we live in, Twitter, I guess. Right. Okay. So uh, they, you, I guess you'll probably put this up on Twitter yes. and with my handle, as I yeah. guess the kids call it. So feel free if anyone wants to reach yeah. out. MKD 1973, right? Yeah, MKD at 1973. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, any final thoughts you want to so share? I, I did prepare one thing and I appreciate good. we've probably gone way over time, but I that message I, I gave or the, the thing I said about coming full circle, I kind of wanted to uh my my mom died a long time ago. I was okay. hideously young. Um and and I remember two very specific things about her and my relationship with Bruce. Number one, I've already told you about remembering the thing about dancing in the dark. Uh, when I went to university, so she, I went to university in 94. My mum died in 2002. So it's been 20, 20 years since she yeah. passed. Um, when I went to university, I kind of really surprised her with the information. I did this all by myself. Like I say, I wanted to kind of take responsibility and do something grown up. So she only had like two months notice I was going to university. And I guess most parents are involved in that process for mm-hmm. several years, right? Right. She was, she was really quite shocked. Didn't, of course, try to talk me out of it, but didn't have very long to prepare. And she sent me to university on day one. She took me there and left me a card. Um, there was some money in there, which is great. And some, and, and some guidance and some ideas and like, just a letter from a mum to a son. Right? Yeah. She finished it with a Bruce Springsteen quote. Now, she wasn't that bothered about Bruce. She always said that she loved how much joy he brought me and she didn't really care for his right. songs more than you know, a passing maternal instinct, uh, interest. Um, she always used to tell me she, the, her favorite song was, was Bridge of Sighs because she thought Brilliant Disguise was called Bridge of Sighs. Right? I love that. Okay. Right. So 
Here's the quote. She had clearly kind of gone into all my albums or into my guitar chord books um, and found with the little time that she had to do this, this line. Uh, and it's me. And I'd never noticed it was me. Uh, so let the game start. You'd better run, you little wild heart. From the price you pay. Wow. And I was like, Jesus, that's that's his line about me. Yeah. It's not about me. Clearly it's not about me. But that's his line about me and my mum found it. And I didn't, uh, and that was what she thought of me through his words. Oh, so I thought, I'd finish. That's I, thought I'd finish. I thought I'd finish with that. That's beautiful. That's good. How emotional was the wish on Broadway? Oh, you don't even. Your mom? I, oh, oh no, no. Uh, you can't even start me on that. Well, yeah, you have. So uh, my mum died of cancer. And when I found out she had cancer, of course, I sent her flowers. And in the card, I'm not going to remember the exact line under pressure like this. Uh, In the card, I put the line from The Wish, which was along the lines of um, uh, funny old world where one boy's dreams come true, but I've got one more wish and this one is just for you. Yes. Wow, I made it through that without crying. That's quite good. Yes. So there is literally a Bruce Springsteen lyric for every moment in your life. There is. Um, and actually now I'm thinking about it. We had, if I should fall behind red at our wedding. Um, we had your missing played at my mum's funeral. But that that line um, from The Wish, yeah, I put that yeah. in, in, in the card where I when I sent her flowers after I found out she had cancer. So geez, Bruce, like if he doesn't provide a line for every single moment of your life, it's just beyond me. Perfect. Perfect. Mark, this has been amazing. Uh, I appreciate all the time. Um, Thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself. Um, I will have you on again. Uh, If nothing (laughs) else, we're going to do a post cowboy season talk. Um, Thank you. Uh, Listeners you please be safe go get vaccinated uh remember to do the right things wear your mask remember to social distance and let's be all good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this thank you mark thank you listeners and we'll talk to you soon goodbye doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation and i hate that so please let me know what you like and don't like about the work i'm doing You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. 
You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. Good job, sir. Thank hey, you. Th- thank you. Thank you so much, Je- Jesse. That was so. That was so much fun. You do this so well. I, I, I'm. I now feel bad. I haven't kind of listened to any in the past, but I'm going to be a very avid listener in the future. But I'm. I'm. I, I'm glad I didn't let anything skew me or no st- steer steer me away. I didn't want to kind of steer away from stories just because they were similar to other stories. Yeah. No. I'm glad you didn't. And they weren't. They were unique people are nervous when they start and within 10 or 15 minutes, they just forget that we're being recorded and they're just having fun talking. You, you, you've, um, I don't, I don't know what you do for your job. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be at all surprised if you were some kind of like, like facilitator or coach Yeah. because the, the way you kept this, I, I, I've, I mean, it feels like we've been talking for 15 minutes and it also feels like we've known each other our entire life. Yeah. I, I, I'm really very grateful that you had me on to do this and I've, I've genuinely, genuinely enjoyed it. I mean, you, 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 you did a great job. It, it might you, seem sir. like you haven't done very much other than ask a few questions, but you're like the way you kind of even gesticulate and facially. Yeah. It's wonderful. It, well, like you thank did, you. did a great job. Did a great I appreciate job. that. Very nice. Yeah. Um, I manage a contact center. That's what I've been doing for like 30 years is I'm customer oh, really? service inbound call centers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, but yeah, a big part of my job is being a leader and managing people. So yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Jesse. You, yeah. That that final thing that that Chris just said about ne- never leave a Bruce concert early. So what? One final funny story for you. So uh, I went to see Bruce again in Philadelphia. So um, at the very very start of the Magic Tour, so 2007, October 2007. Mm-hmm. And I think they were the second and third nights of the of the tour. They played in like Hartford and then two nights in Philly. Yeah. October 2007. And Magic was, Magic's one of my absolute favorite albums. I, sure, I absolutely. I over-invested in shows that, that tour. We went to, I think, 15 shows that tour. And I was at the two Philadelphia shows at the very start of the arena tour in October 2007. The first night was 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 fine, right? It wasn't it was very early in the tour and the pacing was a little bit off and it was, it was fine. The second night was absolutely on fire and I was right in the pit, right down the front and about three quarters of the way through, they, they moved Patty's microphone from like stage left to the right at the center with Bruce. Mm. And this is like, she only did it two or three times on that tour, but she had a single out at the time called town called heartbreak. Right. Do you remember? Have you remember? Do you remember anyone telling this story? No, no. Nice. So, in those first very, very early Magic shows, three or four times, they played a song called "Town Called Heartbreak," and it was a Patty Schiaffa song. And they moved her to the middle of the stage, and she and Bruce duetted. It's not a great song. It's fine, right? I like the fact that I saw it because we saw Bruce and the Eastry Band do a Patty song, right? That's quite nice. I'm not kidding. This was Philadelphia. This was hardcore Springsteen fan, right? They should have been losing their minds for it. I, I would suggest, what was it? The, um, the Wachovia Center, right? 
holds maybe 20,000 people. I'm not kidding, about 10,000 people chose that moment to go for their bathroom break, right? It's the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, I try and get set lists from as many shows as I can. I yeah, fail yeah. normally because everyone's trying to get a set list. Sure. I got the set list from this night, right? The set list went entirely to plan up until that point, a town called Heartbreak. Next on the set list after a town called Heartbreak was working on the highway and Bobby Jean, right? right. Those were the next two listed songs. Bruce was so incensed by what happened at the end of Town Called Heartbreak, I saw him mouth to himself. And he went around every member of the band and they played Incident on 57th Street. And you, and literally 10,000 people came running back to their seats and missed the first two minutes of Incident on 57th Street. And the band were laughing. I mean, they played Incident on 57th Street laughing at what had just happened. That is a great story. That was, look it up. Like the, there I was, will. Like, if you look on, like, I looked a couple of days later at what was being said on Backstreet's about heart, Town Called Heartbreak. Yeah. It's not a great song, but I'm not going to boo and walk out. And no. Get, right? And Bruce was incensed. You could, like, I was so close to him. You could see he was incensed. And he actually said, oh, That's great. Yeah, that's perfect. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 